Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is a, a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Ephesus. So he's writing to the people that live there called the Ephesians. And so he's writing them a letter. We're just going to read a couple of verses of the letter that he wrote. And I think as we start this series, we'll see how, what it says to us today, how it applies to us today. Ephesians chapter 2. This whole front row has Bibles and notebooks. Come on. Feels like CLS. Everybody good? Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on your screens, online, additional seating, or here in the building. Ephesians chapter 2, we're beginning to read in verse 1. If you're there, can you say amen? amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. The Word of the Lord says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of my, mankind. He says all of us, this is how we lived. All of humanity, this is how we once lived. And then he gets to verse 4. But God, come on, how good are those two words right there? We were all dead, we were all lost, but God. Those are two of the best words in all of Scripture. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. One more time, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Verse 10, last one we'll read for now. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice he says we used to walk one way, but now we should be walking in other things. That last phrase, one more time. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to underline or highlight that last part, that we should walk in them, that we should walk in them. Today, as we start this series throughout every service, throughout every person that's connected, every device, every location, uh, today we're gonna start this brand new series called Breaking Free. And we're talking about finding healing and wholeness in our mind, body, and soul. I believe Ephesians chapter 2 gives us a good way, a good start to this conversation as he's writing to this church in Ephesus. The text helps us understand some of the influences in our life that affect our health, mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, 
And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. If you have a place where you're taking notes today, uh, we're going to start this series with this topic. Uh, the door is open. The door is open. I've titled today's message, The Door is Open. Look at a few people around you and tell them the door is open. The door is open. We're going to pray and then we'll talk about this for maybe the next 25 minutes as we start this series. Don't miss next week. Next week, bring somebody with you that's struggling. We're going to focus on anxiety next week. And I think our world is full of anxiety. Some of us know we're feeling it right now. And I think next week is going to be so beneficial and freeing. I love this series. Let's pray. And then we'll talk about Ephesians chapter 2 for a few moments. Then we'll worship. I think worship was phenomenal today. And uh, I love our team. And so I think we should end in worship and just sing it out. Uh, above everything that we're facing, Jesus is on the throne. And worship does change our focus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, all that you will do. Thank you, God, as we start this new set of conversations from Dream Team to Connect Groups, as we talk about finding health in our mind, body, and soul. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do uh, across this auditorium, across additional seating and online. Thank you for our friends and family that are watching and connected. Heal us today. Help us, God, because I believe that you are for us and you're with us, and I believe that you want us to walk in all that you have for us. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and it's in that powerful name of Jesus that all of Calvary Church says... Come on, all of Calvary Church says, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on, give him some praise. A recent study from Columbia University uh, said that the average human being makes about 70 decisions a day. We make about 70 decisions a day. They sat down with a number of people and they asked how many decisions you think you walk through a day and they studied a normal human being, what they would decide on any given day. And they came up with that number, about 70 decisions a day. You wake up and immediately, as soon as we wake up, there's decisions that we have to make. There's thoughts that come into our mind that we know, okay, this is something I have to do today. You're going to choose uh, okay, today will I answer now some of this text that I received throughout the night or a phone call. You'll check voicemails and email and we'll have to start making choices. Okay, I'll call this person back in a moment. I'll, I'll text this person back in just a few minutes. And we, we start making decisions early, early in the morning. Okay, uh, I'm going to go take a shower. Should I go make coffee first? And how many know coffee comes first? And then you go take a shower. That's a good combination. Amen? And decisions. What will I wear today? Okay, should I wear this? Or should, we, mean, we make all kinds of decisions in a moment. Within the first few minutes of the day, we make so many decisions. On the way to work, should I listen to ways? This GPS sometimes leads me down bad avenues and down streets and I'm caught up in traffic. I don't trust Waze. Ask my wife. Waze tells me one way and I choose another way. I just, I feel like I know my city better than Waze knows my city, right? And so we got decisions to make. And all throughout the day, we make about 70 decisions a day. That means in a year, you make over 25,000 decisions. 25,000 choices are made in a year. And if you take that, Columbia University said, and you do it across 70 years, you are now talking about 1.8 decision, million decisions we make in our lifespan. In about 70 years, you and I are making 1.8, that's a whole lot of decisions. Which means that's a whole lot of thoughts that are coming into our mind. 
there's a whole lot of thoughts that come into our mind that you have to decide on. And if you and I are going to make almost two million decisions in our life, then I have to be careful with what I think about. That's a lot of decisions, choices, thoughts in my mind. One French philosopher said, life is the sum of all your decisions. Your life is the sum total of all you decide to do. And so if life really weighs on my decisions, I have to be careful what I open my mind to, what I give my thoughts to, what I dwell on. I, I have to think about what I think about. I have to think about what I think about. Because not every thought deserves time and space and entertainment from me. I have to be careful with what enters my mind. It may enter, but it doesn't have to dwell in my mind. When I speak about the mind today, I'm speaking about the, the seat of the human soul, how the ancients used to say, and basically it's talking about the mind, the will, the emotions of humanity. And so I don't have to give my mind, my heart, my feelings, my will to everything. Because what I allow, what I entertain, will actually make the decisions for me. What you and I give the most attention to, what we dwell on the most, will rule your decisions. And so we have to think about what we think about. And I think so many times what we do is that we open a door to things that shouldn't be in our mind longer than we give it. We open doors. There's open doors all the time. And open doors allow intruding enemies. Open doors allow intruding enemies. Some of you know uh, we live in a, a, a jungle. Miami is a jungle. It's a swamp. We are basically living in the Everglades. Our neighbors are alligators, uh, platypus, fish, uh, all kinds of animals. And so where I live, I live really close to this like backyard that is huge, full of all kinds of animals. So all the time, there'll be frogs all around my house. And I, I detest frogs. I think frogs are absolutely, they are Satan spawned, right? Like, I don't like frogs. It's, it's the plague still in action today. And I've shared this story a million times, but there's been frogs all around my house. I'll, I'll get to my house at night and there's a frog at the door. There's a frog by the gate. There's a frog everywhere. And I'll start rebuking it in Jesus' name, but I'm not getting closer than 15 feet. I, I, I cannot stand frogs. And I shared this story last year. Two frogs over the last year have ended up inside my home. Yeah, yeah. It's just Satan trying to get his way in. And so Diana's taking them out, thank God. Uh, but <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it happened again three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, uh, my mother-in-law goes to take out our baby out for a little afternoon walk, and she grabs the stroller, and a frog jumps out of nowhere and jumps on the door. And so she's screaming, she's like, she can't leave the house. My mother-in-law's here. She can't leave the house because she's not touching the frog. And I'm like, we're all stuck inside because I'm not touching the frog. And so as long as that frog is there, we're inside this house. We're going to hunker down until the demon leaves. And what we noticed, what we started talking about was that we would leave the door open for too long. Open doors make way for intruding enemies. I think so many of us, we want freedom and we want to walk in the life that God has for us, but we've been opening doors to things we shouldn't open the door. 
or we've been dwelling or thinking about spending too much time on things that we shouldn't and it's intruding, it's coming to rob, steal, and destroy all that God has for us. And some of us, we want to see change in our life. We want to see transformation in our life, but here's the problem. You can't transform what you tolerate. You can't transform what you are giving way to. I can't complain and I can't change what I allow in my life. And over some time, I've, I've realized there's decisions I can make that will help me in transformation and change if I decide to stop dwelling on certain things in my life. In fact, what you tolerate accelerates. I've heard one person say, what you, what you tolerate, you encourage. Well, I don't want this in my life, but you're tolerating it. Well, I don't like this behavior from my kids, but you're tolerating it. Right? Like I've heard so many parents, like, well, little Johnny, he's just hyper, so I, uh, I allow him to be him and just let him get that out. I don't like it. He's destroying the home. It's on fire, but it's okay because you tolerate it. You know what little Johnny's interpreting? That you encourage that? That that's good? That that's celebrated? It's like, no, what little Johnny needs is a spanking, <laughs> a hyper spanking. I'm just kidding. I don't condone violence, but... but you know, it just needs, we need to correct behavior is what little Johnny needs, right? We need to correct behavior because otherwise what we're saying is this is allowed because we are allowing it. We're encouraging it. We're selling. What things are we encouraging in our life? What things are we encouraging and accelerating in our minds, in our thoughts? I've opened the door for way too long. I've dwelt on this thought for way too long. And instead of changing or transforming, I'm allowing it to dictate my decisions. I've left the door open for way too long. And it's time that we start closing doors to some of the things that are affecting our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. I'm going to stop allowing the enemy to keep stepping in and telling me what I need to do. Here's, here's what I, I've decided to do is that I've decided not to live in prison anymore. Some of us, we're sitting here, we're here, we're in additional seating, or we're connected anywhere. I've been there, we've been there. We're, we're trying to enjoy the life that God gives us, but these open doors, they create barriers. In other words, we have a free life, but open doors leave us behind bars. Mentally, spiritually, some of us are living in prison. God has set us free, but, but it's the, the thoughts, the decisions, the choices that we dwell upon that's, that's leaving us incarcerated, that's leaving us stuck, that's leaving us in bondage, that's leaving us in prisons. And so some of us today, we can't celebrate, we can't praise, we can't enjoy what God has for us because we're in a prison. We're in a prison and there's so many different prisons. There's prisons of abuse. There's prisons of, of bitterness of resentment, there's bitterness of shame, there's bitterness of guilt, there's bitterness of past trauma in our life, there's, there's, there's prisons of, of pornography, of lust, of envy, of greed. Oh, some of us today, we can't enjoy all that God has for us because we built these bars around our life. And we're not living free lives because we've ended up in bondage to some of these thoughts when we've opened the door. It's time to kick the frogs out and realize he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, today I'm going to decide to close the door. I'm closing the door on this thought. I'm closing the door on my resentment. I'm closing the door on bitterness. I'm closing the door on what happened. I'm closing the door on this addiction. I'm closing the door on this bondage. I'm closing the door on every lie of the 
enemy. And I'm breaking free in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus, Jesus speaking to a church in Revelation says, I love all that you do, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Woo! Sweet, loving Jesus, talking like that. There was a, a, basically a witch amongst the church named Jezebel, and she was leading people down sexual immorality and people to disobey God. And he's like, don't complain for what you tolerate in your life. God, but why don't you do this? God's like, close the door. I got another open door for you. It's the door of freedom. It's the door of healing. It's, the do it's a wide open door for you to walk in them. Come on, close one door so you can walk out the other. Can I get an amen? Come on, breaking free. I put it this way, close the door on distractions to walk in the open spaces of destiny. Today, I'm going to close certain doors for my mind, my heart, my soul, so that I can walk in what God has for me. He has open spaces for us of his goodness, of his grace. Today, you can walk in hope, in love, in freedom, in forgiveness, in joy. Get out of that prison in Jesus' name. Come on, we can walk in freedom. Can I get an amen? Amen. The text that we read, Ephesians chapter 2, is a beautiful text. Here the Apostle Paul, he's writing to some of his friends and family that he left at this church in Ephesus. Like I said and like I mentioned, Ephesus is a thriving city. It's a big city. And here, this church is becoming a mega church. I mean, everybody's going to this church. And history tells us this church started to grow in an incredible, incredible way. People were being saved. They were in Connect Team. They were in group, groups and Dream Team. They were going to Grow Track and CLS. And they were doing City Care all over the place. And this church was doing absolutely amazing. But there was trouble in the church. How many know there's trouble in every church? Yeah. And if you think any church is perfect, you walk in it, we make it imperfect. All of us have trouble in our lives. All of us have things that we deal with. Amen? Amen. This church in Ephesus started having trouble. And some of them started living in ways that they shouldn't be living and things were happening that shouldn't be happening. So Paul is writing to correct his church, to correct some of the behavior. And he wants to give them a picture of what God has done in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 is basically a before and after. You ever seen a before and after? You ever seen a before and after? You're like, that's not real. That, like that, that's a whole other person they put in that after picture. There's no way that happened, right? That was a whole lot of surgery and a whole lot of Photoshop, but that ain't really a before and after. Well, when God comes into your life, it looks like a Photoshop because you go from death to life. Come on, you go from darkness to light. And this is what he's saying. Like, he's giving us Ephesians chapter 2 is a before and after. This is how we walked. This is who we were. And he's writing to the church and he's like, hello, this is what he saved you from. Look, look at the, what you were under. Look at the enemies that were in your life and look what God has done. Whew, when you see what God has done, you'll walk different, talk different, think different. So Ephesians chapter 2 is awesome. But right at the beginning of what we read, he gives us three enemies. Let's read it one more time. We'll read only the first three verses. He talks about three enemies that we often open the door to, that we were under their, we were subject to them under their power, under their control before Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read it one more time. The first three verses. Paul writes, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is before. You and I. This is how we walked. What do we do? Following the course of the world. Number one, the world. That you and I used to follow the world. When we were dead in our sins, this is what we followed. 
And then he says, following the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan, Satanás, el diablo, the serpent, the dragon, whatever you want to call him. We followed the ways of Satan. So he's mentioned two enemies right there that we were in bondage to, two enemies that we were subject to. And then he says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, then verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We all lived under the passions of our flesh, the desires of the body and the mind, he writes. Number three is the flesh. So Paul, right at the very beginning, when, he, when he's going to go and show us the contrast of what Jesus did, he says, oh, we were all following the world, Satan, and the flesh. Now, these are three enemies that Paul writes out, and you're going to see it all throughout Scripture. You'll see the world, Satan, and the flesh. These are three enemies that if we're not careful, when we dwell on certain things, when we give our mind, our affections, our feelings to certain things, we are reopening the door to the world, the flesh, or Satan. Are you following along so far? And so you and I, we, we make a lot of decisions a day, a lot of choices, a lot of thoughts come into our mind. And the minute that I allow something in and I start to dwell on it, I give it more time than it should, I may be opening a door to the world, the flesh, and Satan. And by the way, all of us have done this. We've all dwelt, thought about, given our affections to what we used to walk in. And then he gets to verse 4 and he says, but... God, but God, I want you to leave out of here today with those two words in your mind, in your heart, and your soul. You may be up against an impossibility today, but you walk out of here saying, but God, oh, you may be sick in your body, but you walk out of here today saying, but God, your family may be a mess, but you walk out of here saying, but God, oh, it looks like everything is against me, but God, oh, I used to be subject and slaves to these things, but God, it says by grace through faith, he saved us and he seated us in the heavenly places. In other words, I'm not subject or a slave to the world, the flesh or Satan anymore. Oh, come on. I'm a free agent. I belong to him. I gave my life to Jesus. He lifted me up out of the grave. I'm no longer dead. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer enticed. Oh, come on. He saved me. He picked me up. He, oh, come on. He redeemed me. He delivered me. But God. Somebody say, but God. I don't know what you're up against today, but you need to say, but God. Go home and write it in your journal. But God. When the bill collectors call, but God. No, you got to pay. But, but God. Okay, so the world, the world, the flesh, and Satan, these are three enemies that I can give my affections to, my feelings to, my mind to, and I'm opening up doors. The world, it comes around me, my flesh is within me, and Satan comes to ambush me. The world is around me. It's, we're surrounded by the world, and so our eyes look and see, and it begins to tell us how we should look what we should dress like, what we should pursue, what we should stand for. We are surrounded by the world. My flesh is within me, so it tries to tell me what to do. My flesh, my desires, this carnal body tells me what I should be doing. And then Satan comes to lure me away from my calling, to lure me away from walking in the freedom that God has for me. So I put it this way, the world consumes me, my flesh entices me, Satan deceives me. The world consumes me. Some of us know. 
we feel the pressure of the world. Financially, socially, in our values, in our morals, the world consumes us. This is how my life should look like. This is, what I, this is the status that I should go after. This is what my money, my attention, my heart, my feelings should be after because everybody else. In fact, the world consumes us in a way where we won't even stand for truth because I may be canceled. I got to be careful what I say and what I'm giving my life to, what I'm opening a door to is the world. And I'm not going to let the world dictate my worship. But the world comes to consume me. My flesh comes to entice me. My flesh, literally, my flesh tells me this is what you should do. It's the urges of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Do this, eat this, sleep with this, do that. All of us, we deal with this. All over the New Testament, the apostles, they would write letters and they would talk about, hey, don't, don't live subject to the flesh. And sometimes I look at the world today, and we got a bunch of carnal Christians. And we're not called to be carnal Christians, Christians con carne. <laughs> We're called to be spiritual people, people that are subject to the Spirit. My flesh may want one thing, but I need to listen to the Spirit of God. But I open a door, and you and I, we open doors to the flesh all the time, and then Satan comes to deceive me. What I give my attention to, my thoughts, what I dwell in, I open doors, and it comes to reside in my heart, soul, and affections, in my, my feelings, my mind. All throughout scripture, we see constantly being warned about this. When it comes to the world, look what 1 John says. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Are you seeing this? If we love the world, if we look at the world, it's talking about the system of the world, the way the world operates, what it goes after. If you and I love what the world loves, the love of the Father is not in us. In other words, they're trying to warn us, don't go after the things of this world. Don't dwell on it. Don't open the door to it. This world will pass away. His word will stand forever. When it talks about the flesh, James writes about the flesh in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each person, he says, is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Right before that, he says, nobody's tempted by God. We're tempted by our own flesh. The desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. In other words, you let it sit on your mind long enough, you're going to act on it. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. In other words, you let that bird stick around your head long enough, it's going to create a nest, and it's going to lay some eggs, and when those eggs hatch, death will come. Whew. That's James. And then when it talks about Satan, we've read this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so you and I if we're not careful we'll give our affections our feelings our emotions we'll open up our heart to the world the flesh and to Satan now we can look at this and be like well this is awesome thank you for the encouragement I'm going home depressed <laughs> right we got all these enemies but but he says but God we're no longer there. Your position is no longer a slave. Your position is no longer that you're subject to these things. In fact, Satan is a defeated foe. We are dead to our sins and we are dead to the world. Oh, I may have three enemies, but I got three helpers. I got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. And he who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. I've been set free. I've been set apart. He's delivered me. He's empowered me so that I can live free. Amen. 
so I don't walk around scared that I'm opening up doors because then you can't become those type of Christians either. Open doors, open doors, close every door, close every door. I'm free in Christ. But I do got to watch my mind. And I got to watch my hearts, my feelings, my emotions. But I got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And I got power. Somebody say power. Now, when we open doors to these things, it will bring consequences. And I think these are three consequences that happen. When we open our doors, we see the results of open doors. It leaves us in distress. It leaves us isolated. And it leaves us under oppression. Okay? It leaves us in distress. It leaves us isolated. And it leaves us under oppression. If you look at the world around you, the stress of the world, the anxiety of the world, you'll be under the threat. That's why some of us are anxious today because we're looking at everything else instead of focusing on God and his word. The thoughts will come, but I don't have to dwell on it. So some of us today, we're distressed. Some of us today, we're isolated because we've given into our flesh. I followed the urges of my flesh. I've given into the desires, whether that's food, whether that's sex, whether that's something you shouldn't be watching or conversation you shouldn't be with, whether that's an affair, cheating, whatever it is, we've given into our flesh and it leaves us feeling shame and guilt. So some of us, we know Jesus, our spirit is free, but our mind, feelings, and hearts are, are bound. Christians, like people who love Jesus, but we followed the flesh and it leaves us feeling isolated now because you don't want to tell nobody your secret. We've all been there. And so Sunday morning comes around and you're like, I don't even want to go to church. How can I? You know what I did this past week? I'm full of shame and guilt because I followed the desires of my flesh. And then we get to Satan, and these are spiritual matters, and we listen and we open a door to spiritual things we shouldn't be involved in, and it leaves us oppressed. Opening the doors to vices in our life leave us in addiction and bondage, and so we're oppressed. And I believe if you're a Christian, you can't be possessed by the devil. You can't be possessed by a demon, but you can be oppressed by a demon. And I believe demons are real and they do exist. And I think there's two extremes. There's just people that are really like skeptical about it. I don't think demons are real. No, they're real. But then there's people that are hyper spiritual that want to see a demon behind every rock. Alex, don't move. There's a demon to your left right now, but don't move. It's like, you got to find a balance. Like, no. And I'm not scared of demons. I'm, I've been set free by Jesus. Greater is he who's in me. But it's real. And you, it's real. And you can be oppressed by it. Some of us today, we're in an addiction and a bondage and you can't break free from it because you're oppressed by a spiritual thing that you open the door to. There's freedom for you in Christ. And maybe you're like me and you're like, but how do I get free? What do I do? You ever felt like, I don't even want to do that anymore, but I keep doing it. I don't even want to keep opening a door to that thought, but I keep doing it. I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be unforgiving or I don't want to lust, or I don't want to have greed, or I don't want to gossip anymore, but we keep opening up the door. Why? Lord, help me. You ever felt that way? Paul felt that way. Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul writes, I don't really understand myself. <laughs> Thank God Paul wrote that. I'm like, if that's Paul, I'm good. Because I don't understand myself neither. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it I don't want to keep being angry you ever felt like like just stop thinking about that Alex just stop thinking about that you won't be angry anymore I know but I can't <clears throat> if I just had them in front of me I'll pop them right now. but I don't do it instead I do 
what I hate. It's the flesh, it's Satan, it's the world. And there's a struggle, and you got to read Romans chapter 7, because then you get to Romans chapter 8, which is possibly one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. For now, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, come on. Through the Spirit of God, I may have opened the door. I may have thought about it. I may have dwelt there, but I'm free in Jesus. Some of us, we're in Romans chapter 7, and we're struggling today. We came to church, and you're like, okay, I, I want to be free. I want we, we are there. We're struggling. There's a craving inside every human soul that wants to be free. I love the way Billy Graham put it. He said, you have a thirst to be free from the things that enslave you. Freedom from the insecurities and uncertainty that you feel. And you have a thirst for these things because God created you in his image. He created you for himself. You have a spirit that will live forever. And that's the part that thirsts for eternal freedom. In other words, you were created in God's image in your spirit and your spirit desires, wants to, longs to live in freedom, hope, joy, grace, mercy, because we were made in his images. So when we find it, we're like, this is where I belong. This is the door that he wants me to walk through. And so our spirit, our soul, our mind feels confused, distressed, isolated when we walk in things we shouldn't. Because there's something deeper on the, I've seen people that have it all on the outside are still not happy. They have it all. It looks like they all of life. They have whatever all of us desire. Like that looks like that's an amazing life. Yet they're not, they're unhappy. They're in bondage. They're addicted. Today, some of us were oppressed, were isolated, or distressed. Some of us were in bondage to perhaps a drug, a vice, cigarettes, alcohol, pornography, lust, greed, gluttony. We're given into all these things, and I just believe God wants to break us free. The only one that should master us is the master of the soul, the one who created the soul. What do we do? We're about to wrap up. The keys have been playing for a minute. The band could actually start coming up. What do we do? Number one, watch your attachment. Somebody say attachment. What are you attached to? What do you attach yourself every day? If you want to start closing doors in your life, attach yourself to Jesus. How do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us one story. It's all throughout the Gospels, but I love the account in Luke because in Luke, Jesus goes up to a mountain and he transforms himself in what he's going to look like. And he takes Peter and John, his best friends, and he shows them what he's going to look like after resurrection. They come down from the mountain and they realize the rest of the disciples, they've been trying to free this young boy that's possessed by a demon. And they can't do it. The dad's frustrated. He tells Jesus, oh, your disciples are going to do it. Can you help? Jesus now becomes frustrated. And Jesus says this in Luke 9, 41. Uh, he says, Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you and bear with you? <laughs> Jesus telling his disciples, oh, faithless and twisted generation. That's encouraging, Jesus. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, faithless means you're disconnected from God. And twisted, another translation says perverse, what it means is you're too connected to the world. So you're disconnected from God and you're too connected to the things surrounding you. He takes the disciples off to the side. The disciples embarrassed are like, Jesus, how'd you do that? I mean, it didn't happen for us. How'd you free that boy? And he says, some kinds can only come out through this, prayer and fasting. What does he say? What's the answer? In other words, attach yourself, connect yourself to God and disconnect fast from things of the world. Today, if we want to close some doors, we're going to have to connect more with God and disconnect from the world, the flesh, and Satan. Fasting. 
Some of us talk about it. We've, we fasted from social media. We fast from certain TV shows. We fast from certain music. Some things are not helpful. Some of us, we give our ears to songs that remind us of things of the past. Music, songs, conversations. Our eyes are looking at things that shouldn't. And it reminds us of past trauma, abuse, or pleasures of sin. And so we got to be careful what we listen to, what we look at. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. Maybe this week you should fast. I, I mean, just talk about it. It's happened in my own life. When I, when I fast from social media, it's like I'm less anxious. I have more peace. I have more time. Something happens when we disconnect and we connect more to God. Watch your attachments. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. I think many times what we want is spiritual answers. Like, I just need somebody to lay hands on me so I can be free. I have this open door in my life. No, I've seen people get prayed for, fall on the floor, shake, get back up, and continue living in sin. The problem is not that there wasn't power in the prayer. The, power, the, the problem is that you keep up opening doors. And so you got to do certain things in your life that will attach you to the vine that is Jesus. In other words, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Some of us, we got to starve some things in our life and stop waiting for a pastor, a guru, a leader to pray over you. And you need to make a decision to disconnect from certain things. Some of us, we need to disconnect from conversations, phone numbers, websites. I mean, whatever you got to do, you got to fast. What I feed grows, what I starve dies. Number two, accountability. Who's in your life? Who knows you? Who knows your darkest, deepest secrets, struggles with the world, the flesh, and Satan? Here's what I say. Not everybody needs to know your secrets, but somebody needs to know it. Find yourself one, two people that you talk to, that you're open with, that you're vulnerable to. I have several people in my life that know my challenges, know my struggles. And I've talked to them. I'll never forget there was a season in my life that I was dealing with bitterness and resentment and anger. And for about a period of about six months, I just used to get angry and I used to give it like my time all the time. I just start thinking about it. You ever drive in the car and you play a movie in your mind? of what will happen if I find this person at Publix right now. <laughs> Holy Spirit, make a way. <laughs> it's like you, you start praying for things you shouldn't be praying for. And it was six months of just like this darkness because I was angry, I was hurt. And I forget, I started talking to a therapist. And the therapist says, okay, I want you to do something. I want you to time yourself and only give it 15 minutes a day. For 15 minutes, go in. Think about all you want to think about. Get angry, get mad, get upset, do whatever you want to do. But once those 15 minutes are up, say, it's done. I'll come back tomorrow. You got fresh 15 minutes tomorrow to get angry. I started doing that, and I realized over a couple days, I promise, not even two weeks, I forgot about it. But I had somebody that I can talk to. I had accountability in my life. I had somebody that I can share my heart with and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Man, I get angry. Man, the situation is driving me who do you have? You need a pastor in your life. You need a leader. You need a therapist. But the Bible says this, James chapter 5, verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. And I think Christianity, especially American Christianity, we've gotten away from confession. Some of us come from religious backgrounds where we thought confessing was just going up to a priest and saying, I confess. He's going to tell me three prayers to do and then I leave and I'm good. No, we need to go back to confession. Where we talk to somebody, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Some of us are not healed because we're not confessing. 
Some of, us, some of us are not walking in the open door of freedom because we're not confessing. Confession is powerful. Who are you confessing to? Find somebody today. And this goes with the last point. Find somebody today. Number three, take action. Take action. You know how long I said, yeah, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go talk today. I'm going I'm to let my therapist know today. Today never came. Some of us just talk a good game, but we don't walk it out. And we just need to make some action steps today. Today's the day I stop this addiction. Today's the, the day I don't live in a prison of resentment or bitterness. Today's the day that I stop pornography. Today's the day that I stop this affair. Today's the day that I stop giving into glut. Today's the day that I just stop this vibe. Today's the day that I start living in freedom. And I'm taking an action step today. Alex, really, that's what you got? Can you give me a spiritual answer? No. That's spiritual. Take a step today. We've all taken steps. Like, I'm gonna call this person today. I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna call a therapist. I'm gonna call a pastor. I'm gonna go sit down with somebody today because I wanna walk in freedom. I'm gonna close the door on the enemy so that I can walk in the open door that God has for me. You want a spiritual answer? James chapter four, verse seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Alex, how do I get free? Submit yourself to God. Can you just lay hands on me and pray for me? Submit yourself to God. Yeah, but like, just like do something. Like, no, su submit yourself to God. Those feelings, those urges, your desires, the world, the flesh, Satan, I submit it to God. This is what I want to do. I want to be angry. I want to be bitter. I want to be lustful. I want to be envious. I want to gossip. I want to be angry. Whatever. I submit it to my king. I submit that before God, and then I resist the devil. Resist the devil. I'm not giving in. I'm closing the door. Some of us, we can't even give 15 minutes to some thoughts. Today's the day where you're like, you know what? I'm giving you five seconds, and it's over. What you dwell on will affect your choices. Your choices will affect your destiny. Close the door. Some of us, we got to realize we've left the door open. We've left the door open, and the frogs are coming in. We left the door open and the flesh, Satan, the world is coming in. The door is open. And what we got to realize is that when we close that door, there's another door that's open and it's the door to freedom. It's the door to joy, hope, mercy, grace. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect, but there's a life that we could enjoy. Oh, when you have action in your life, accountability, when you attach yourself to Jesus, I'm telling you it's the best life we could ever live. I want to finish with this last verse. I kind of want it to be on our hearts, our souls over the next few weeks as we talk about being free. I love this verse. Maybe it's the base verse for this series. Psalm 119 verse 45, the psalmist writes, I will walk in freedom for I've devoted myself to your commandments. I will walk in freedom. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you know what you need to do? You need to say, I will walk in freedom. When the frogs are at the door, when the flesh is calling, when the world's calling, when Satan's calling, say, no, nah. Psalm 119, 45, I will walk in freedom. I'm not giving you the time of day. I'm not opening up that door. I'm walking through the open door of freedom. For we were created, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Today, walk in the freedom that God has for you. I want you to stand up to your feet all across this place. We're leaving. In just a few moments,
with every eye closed, every head bowed from here to additional seating. If you don't have to go right now, I'm going to ask you to just hold on just for a moment. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here today. We honor that. We thank you so much. I know there's a lot of places that we can be, but you're here, and, and I think God's going to honor that. But if we could, for maybe a minute or two, can we close every eye and bow every head all across this place in additional seating? I believe that the Spirit of God is here. And maybe you feel powerless. And you're like, Alex, I've tried to close the door on several things. I'll be honest, so have I. And I realized that on my own strength, I couldn't do it. But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Now we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give you the power to overcome the flesh, the world, and Satan. That's how you once walked. You and I, that's, that's where we once were. But God. And so today, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you and I to close certain doors of our life that have us live, living in oppression, isolation, anxiety, distress. This is week one. I think you need to come back next week and we're going we're gonna to walk through this together. We're going to find healing and wholeness together in Jesus' name. It's in community. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, if you're saying, Alex, today, I feel like I'm in bondage or I have an addiction or I've opened up a door. <sighs> I've been full of anxiety, distress, I've been isolated. I haven't told nobody what I'm going through. I keep it to myself. And I feel like I'm under an oppression. I feel like I'm powerless. With eyes closed, head bowed here in additional seating. Can you raise your hand? Can you raise your hand all throughout this place? We're going to pray today that the Holy Spirit moves. If today you're saying, pray for me, I want freedom. I want to begin to break free. I want to walk in the freedom and the open door that God has for me. I'm going to ask pastors to walk around the auditorium. Yeah, why don't you lift up both hands, both hands. And we got pastors and leaders. In fact, if you're a connect group leader, everybody else, eyes closed, head bowed for privacy, for prayer. But if you're a connect group leader, if you're a pastor, one of the elders, look around your rows and lay hands. We're going to believe for freedom. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you care for our soul. Thank you that we were created in your image, in your likeness to walk in freedom and hope and mercy and grace. Father, I know that you love us. I pray that that becomes so real today to every single person here watching in additional seating, that you love us. You are for us. You love us so much. You haven't left us. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't forsaken us, but you love us. The Father desires for us to be free, and for that we're thankful. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that that Spirit comes reminding us today that we are seated in heavenly places, that the enemy has been defeated, that our flesh is dead, that the world and all its desires will pass away, but your word will remain forever. Spirit of God, bring to life, bring to life every dead area of our spirit today that we've turned off, if we've been isolated, distressed with anxiety, with chaos, with stress and pressures, if we've been oppressed, maybe possessed, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You don't have to live in a prison of fear. You no longer have to live in a prison of resentment, of anger, of hopelessness, of faithlessness. Be free in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, I pray that you move all throughout this auditorium. 
In the name of Jesus, oh, let a sweet breeze flow through this place in our soul, in our minds, as chains are being broken, as eyes are being opened. In the name of Jesus, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Spirit of God, give us power today to attach ourselves to you, to abide in the vine, to disconnect from the world and connect to you, God. All throughout the week that we'll be connected to your presence, that we'll practice the presence of God. God, I'm praying that today you give us strength and power to be accountable, to talk to somebody, to talk to a pastor, a leader, a therapist. In Jesus' name, give us power to take action today, to close the door on things that we've allowed, things that we've allowed the enemy to come rob, steal, and destroy, but you have an open door of freedom for us. I will walk in freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom, freedom for your house, freedom for your people, freedom for your family. Be free, be free from cigarette addiction, be free from alcohol bondage, be free from pornography, be free from that affair, be free from gluttony, be free from envy, gossip, be free, be free in Jesus' name, be free in Jesus' name, be free in your mind, in your soul, in your body, in your emotions, in your feelings, be free in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, be free, be free. Be free from fear. Be free from bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Be free. Be free from anger in Jesus' name. Be free. Thank you, Jesus. There's freedom. There's freedom in you. Thank you. I will walk in freedom. We'll walk in freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever eye closed, whatever head bowed. Right before I move on, I just have to, there's, I, I just believe there's certain people here. You can't even believe the, the life that God has for you. Because there's been pain, there's been trauma. Life has been rough and hard on you. I may not even understand it fully what you've been through, but here's what I know. He loves you. He loves you. And I know he has healing for you and freedom for you. And if you trust him, give him a year of your life and watch what he'll do. Going all the way with him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I don't know who that's for today, but you need to open up your heart. He loves you so much. People have caused you pain, and because people have caused you pain, you've blamed it on God. And some of us can understand we've been there angry at God, bitter at God. But today I'm telling you, he loves you. He's a good father. And he's going to help He's going to help you walk this out. And I promise you, sooner or later, you're going to see. He's been there all along, loving you, guarding you and helping you. He's a good father. With eyes closed and head bowed, we're leaving. We're leaving in just a moment. One last prayer. If you're here and you don't know God, maybe you're here and you say, Alex, I feel far from God. Maybe you're like, that's me. There's sin in my life. You've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. You're probably thinking, there's nothing that God wants to do with me because I've, I've done some evil things. I've done some wicked things. I've had wicked thoughts. You know there's sin in your life. The truth is, all of us are sinners. The Bible says every single one of us. There's not one of us that is perfect. All of humanity has failed. We've all thought wrong, said wrong, done wrong. And it's that sin that creates a barrier between us and God. And yes, God is love, but our sin keeps us from God. God can't be with sin, so what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sins, your sins. 
The Bible says that sin has a heavy price. It's called death. It should have killed us, but Jesus says, I'll let it take me so that you can receive the life I'm going to give you. Jesus went up on a cross at Calvary and he took my sin, your sin. Every wrong thing we've done, thought, said, Jesus carried it on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and he took death. He gave his life. And he died on that cross. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days. But after three days, the Bible says Jesus Christ, he resurrected. He's alive. He overcame sin and death. Every wrong thing that wants to control you, Jesus overcame it. And the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. And spiritually, that's where we can sit with him today. You can rule and reign as a son and daughter of God. How do you do that? By confessing your sin and confessing him as Lord and Savior. With every eye closed here in additional seating all over the world, wherever you're watching, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here, you say, Alex, I need forgiveness. Today, I want to repent. I want to turn from my sin and turn to God. I need Jesus in my life. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. With every eye closed, with every head bowed in a moment of prayer, in a, in a moment of privacy, if you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to give him my life. I want him to forgive me my sin. I want a brand new start. Today, I need a brand new beginning with every eye closed. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to give you a mic. In fact, I just want you to hold it up for a few seconds. I'll see who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. You're taking a step of faith. You're saying, I need Jesus today. I need forgiveness. Today, I need a brand new beginning. I want Jesus to be my Savior. When I count to three, you raise your hand for a few seconds. Hands already going up. One, two, three. Raise it up as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands all over this place, all over the auditorium. Raise it up. We see you. We see you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing, amazing. An additional seating, you raise your hand. Online, you say, I'm making this decision today. You can put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I just want you to repeat this prayer with me. I'm just making this first prayer easy, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere, however you want. We're just going to confess our sin and confess Him as our Lord and Savior. Repeat after me. In fact, the whole church, why don't we pray together in one voice? Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come on say Jesus I believe you're the son of God come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior from today on I am saved I'm forgiven and I'm healed in Jesus name amen 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 come on he's a good God amen Hey, we're leaving right now. Thank you for being with us. If you raise your hand, hands went up all over this place, and I think we have enough bags outside, but we have a white bag outside, and inside that bag, there's a free coffee mug. Thank you so much. Just like this, you're going to see them waving it out there. There's a free coffee mug. There's a letter for me and Anna in the church, and more importantly, there's a Bible. That Bible is actually for new believers, new Christians, and it has a lot of notes on the side to help you understand. Pick it up. Seriously, they may ask you for an email. If you don't want to give your email, say, I don't want to give you nothing, but just grab your Bible, but I'm telling you, that Bible is going to help you. Come on, let's leave out of here singing this one more time. Next week, we're going to talk about anxiety. Bring a family member, a friend with you. I think God's going to move in a powerful way. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. One more time. We sing you all. You're awesome and mighty. Go before us this week. Move in our life. Help us as we walk in the open door of freedom because the door is open in Jesus' name. Come on.